So we will get uh, started here, get situated, and I'll do the, the introduction like I usually do, and then we'll launch into the uh, very, very first question. <clears throat> Any and questions? Yes, before we officially begin, yes. Are we old because we know what get situated means and use it? I'm sorry, how is that a thing that somebody wouldn't know? I mean, it's not like dialing a phone or something. I've never heard anybody under the age of 30 use that phrase. Oh. Hmm. All right. That'll probably make it into the commentary somehow. Welcome, One More Turners, to the Season 9 Commentary, OneMoreTurn.net. I'm series creator, Hudson voice performer, Daniel Danku Quick, and I am joined by the Avery performer, Jennifer Lund. Howdy. The Carson voice performer, Scott Alphashard Dirk. Hello. Man voice performer, Candace Albinus. That's old, but yeah. <laughs> and the Reese voice performer, Aelia Kalina Redes. Aela, but Ayla? Uh, nice to be here. <laughs> Must be my Canadian accent. Um... <laughs> I think Dark Cloud had a pretty fair summary, more content and plot driven season, because this was intended to be the third of three seasons. That's the political sphere to springboard off of the court of public opinion sphere of seasons four to six. And of course, the legal one in seasons one to three. What were your first reactions when you had finished reading season nine scripts? Um, well, I had more lines, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> were they quality lines? Yeah, no, I th- I felt they really fit the character, and she's kind of growing season over season, changing up a little bit. Well, I, I kind of view this as the searching for family season, whether it was blood relatives or not, and really trying to find her way in this season, and almost trying to find relevancy still. She was kind of on the outside looking in, and I think she managed to accomplish a fair bit of that, maybe not on her own, and maybe not exactly as she set out to do, but I do think that she was better off at the end of the season than she was at the start. Candace, what were your first reactions when you finished reading season nine scripts? Um, mostly, do I actually get to do my favorite line? <laughs> I think I know exactly what line you're talking about, but what line would that be? The birthday party one. Yep. Absolutely. I remember when we were recording the episodes, I said, I I thought of you specifically when I had the character say that. And the character wouldn't have said that if it hadn't been for you and you not having said it in the past in other contexts. I really didn't get to know a lot of man's character. I mean, I know you commented that you were initially looking forward to the character being 2D and he got kind of fleshed out these last couple of seasons to be a little bit more 3D. But at the same time, he's still being referred to as man and nobody seems to know his name. But I honestly don't think he minds that because by the end of the season, he's like, yeah, peace out all. Oh, by the way, don't contact me and I won't contact you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take this personally, but I don't want to see any of you ever again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he said. And then it's just, yep, that's just exactly what that character was like. I was I was a little disappointed, even though I wrote the series. I was a little disappointed he didn't become mayor. It could have been entertaining. It probably would be entertaining, but I don't know. <laughs> it would be like you finally have an antagonist in City Hall. I do think that by the end of the season, he made the right choice, which was to stop associating with these people. Because he long said, I want nothing to do with these people. And then he let himself be intertwined with these people to again, run for mayor. But then he was able to extricate himself relatively quickly when he didn't win. (laughs) Also, I think it's absolutely hilarious that somehow, despite politics being one of the topics I am least interested in talking about publicly, you somehow made me a politician. (laughs) That's just the magic I work when I write, Canis. I thought you knew that's that's what I did. Now you know. Now you see it in practice. See, I don't write scripts. I write books. So I'm well aware of putting your characters in positions that they're not comfortable with. But the actors playing the characters, that's a little next level. Thank you for acknowledging that achievement unlocked for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Scott, what were your first reactions when you finished reading season nine scripts? Basically, uh, these people again, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was just a lot of fun reading their antics. And just as a bit of a preview, what did you think of Carson? Do you think he turned up, down, or kept about the same level of assholeness that he had in season nine? And yes, assholeness, trademark. Well, that turned right. Uh, I guess about the same. Jennifer, what were your first reactions when you finished reading season nine scripts? 
it was interesting to see what the further implications would be of Avery and her condition and what sort of shockwaves that would send through the whole cast. I think I have to compliment Avery, actually, for navigating this, because as much as I like giving Avery grief, and she does definitely deserve grief, I feel like she got a lot directed at her that was misdirected kind of thing that I kind of, oh, really, you have to really consider and actually get back together with Hudson. I don't know if that's really in the best interest of the child. But then again, the way that she's talking about it, she's not going to be involved in the life of the child. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But I'm thinking, oh, Hudson and Avery being together again. I do wish Hudson and Avery happiness, but I don't think that's together. I know I still have to work on that Venn diagram or whatever about who is sleeping with whom. And uh, I know you suggested that before, Jennifer, that we need that reference chart. Yeah, that would be a handy (laughs) chart. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or you can just go back and listen to all the episodes again, like I probably will at some point. Allow me to get properly situated so okay. so I can be uh, properly snarky. <laughs> oh, so you're going to sit slightly uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to get very comfortable so that I can really lean into the nasty. Um. <laughs> Which episode this season is your favorite and why? And I know in past commentary, some of you have said, well, I don't have a specific favorite episode, but I have a favorite point, which I then, if I don't remember specifically, I then quickly scroll through the scripts to find, and I say, oh, are you referring to episode such and such? And people just politely say yes, whether they want to or not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone have a specific favorite episode? Like episode number nine, this. This is my favorite. I don't play favorites because I write, so I know that it's really hard to pick the best part of something and not like feel bad about the rest of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. As a scriptwriter in this particular case, I have no problem picking favorites. So for that reason, I guess I will start my favorite, and I have a runner-up as well. But my favorite was episode 911, Foolish Pride. We got some detail and some character progression into Hudson and Bella's relationship history alongside that of Garrison, Evelyn, and, even though we haven't seen him in a few seasons now, Gary. Garrison and Hudson in particular are getting into an argument where Garrison is like, looks like your husband has taken notes from his in-laws on how to communicate with. And Hudson's like, you're not seriously going to finish that sentence, are you, old man? If you want the privilege of living to be an old man yourself, I suggest you shove it. And then Evelyn is like, I may not agree with much of anything Garrison ever said or done, but you'd better start listening to your elders like we told you or else. And Bella starts to say, Hudson, you need to stop. Hudson's like, you're going to start acting with him like you did around Gary? I'm going to say what I should have said long ago when we were together, and what I think Carson would say if he were here right now, because Carson isn't in this particular episode, your uncle, and worse yet, your mother, do not get to dictate to me, you or anyone else for that matter, how to communicate with other people. And Garrison's like, it was you trying to tell me what not to say, you hypocrite. I shouldn't have to tell you how not to communicate with other people, you imbecile. Which then leads to Canis's favorite line as man. <laughs> Pretty much. It was kind of one of those things where... I'm like, I really don't particularly like Garrison. I think I like Garrison better than Hudson, but to say that I like Hudson is also a stretch. But (laughs) (laughs) I think Hudson has a point in this particular episode. And do I think that Bella should have been the one to say it? It's a little more difficult for Bella to navigate, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about her uncle. We're talking about her mother, whereas Hudson is not in the family but could have very easily been in the family because of his occurring relationship with Bella and his interactions with Garrison and Evelyn, not just in this series, but that predated this series for years. And I like that we get a little bit more background, not just about Hudson and Bella and even Evelyn, but Garrison as well, because Garrison and Evelyn are relatively new to the series, and we know that they connect with some of the other characters, but now we're getting a little bit more sense of, oh, Maybe this is starting to explain Bella and Hudson a little bit in the earlier seasons and a little bit more about why Garrison is here and now and why Evelyn is here and now and just how muddy and messy it is. I will give a runner-up to episode 905, Offside. Oh, Hudson and Riley, they have a confrontational yet brutally honest conversation with one another that has been a long time coming. It's about a present matter and how their collective past is relevant to it. It's one of those episodes where there's just two characters, and I feel like that's 
positive in some respects because then you can really focus on a conversation between two characters. There's nobody else witnessing what it is that they're saying or not saying or how they're saying it. So they can be, I think, quote unquote, truer to themselves, at least in relation to each other. But it can also be one of those episodes where if the conversation they're having is not particularly interesting, the episode can quickly become a dud. I feel like that there was a lot of, on both Hudson and Riley's sides, Riley's trying to make this point about why Hudson shouldn't be trying to adopt Avery's baby, or at the very least not be involved in the unborn child's life to try to convince Avery to not put the child up for adoption. And Hudson uses this as an opportunity to say, I'm adopted. And are you saying that the woman I called mom and the man I called dad were not really my parents because I'm not biologically theirs? Are you that narrow-minded? Although I think Riley is narrow-minded, I don't think she's narrow-minded in that respect. And Riley just kind of says, I'm saying you're trying to become a father shouldn't become a reactive event. You and Avery keeping your relationship a secret was bad enough of a reaction. Riley is like, you know, being related biologically does not mean you can relate to each other. Caden wouldn't expect and hell maybe not even want you to step in and become his child's dad's because you two were not even close. Despite your efforts to draw Caden and I to be closer together, this isn't about me, but you're so good at making things about you. It ends with Hudson's kind of ultimatum with, if you insist on helping Avery to try to shut them out, which is Caden's parents and Reese's parents and the rest of the paternal side of this child's biological family, which includes me, then I'm going to shut you out of my life once and for all. I might make the argument that maybe Hudson and Riley would be better off if they did that, if they had done that before, but it's kind of too bad it has to come to this point in their relationship for them to kind of have that out. And at the same time, as soon as you deliver an ultimatum, it makes it really difficult to go back and try to backtrack. So I kind of feel like these characters are going to be changed from this event for better or worse, but there is, there's no going back. And seeing as how Hudson and Riley were original characters to the series, that's saying something that one of them has finally said, all right, this is either the beginning of a renewed relationship or it's the end of whatever relationship we currently have right now. I just keep remembering how bad of people these people are. <laughs> it's just like, guys. Yeah, that's pretty much the theme. And I think there's a lot of shows that are like that where the cast are very unlikable. And I think that's how you get these scenes where they're just doing drama and these moments where they're either despicable to each other or whatever or antagonistic to each other. And, and I guess that makes for interesting viewing. I think it's just what people expect, and uh, it's a bad thing because people are forgetting how to be normal people. By normal, do you mean civil? Well, just people are rude in general a lot more than they used to be, and families are breaking up a lot. I mean, it's always happened, but it seems like it's a lot worse since the last couple of years. And I'm sure COVID had part of that, but... And in this particular universe, COVID isn't even a thing. So yeah. we can't even chalk it up to, oh, COVID-related pressures. Because it's like, no, it's just the same old, same old with you people. Some things never seem to change. It's a race to the bottom. I think the character that gets the award for the most devolved is Man, because for some reason he has decided, despite initially criticizing these people in this town, representing this town, he chooses to involve himself now with these people. So I think that's a big strike against his character. And apparently invited him all to his birthday party. <laughs> and then had a temper yeah. tantrum about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Candice, that line about you ruining my birthday party, I totally gave that to you because I remember you making a joke about that years ago on Polycast or Turncast, and I thought, I know you're going to be able to say that well, and uh, yeah, that line delivery was excellent in particular. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's good that I live in a house by myself now, so I can literally just shout when it says shout. What about least favorite? Least favorite episode or, again, least favorite moment. Carson. I do think he was better this season. He's still an ass. I guess more specifically, he had less opportunity to present how much of an ass he is. I don't necessarily think he's a better person. There were just other things going on that we didn't have as much chance in season nine as we did in season eight. And I made a purposeful effort to not focus on him as much. I tried to have just enough and that actually comes into a least favorite episode to kind of remind people that mm, we may not be focusing on it. But no, Carson is still this, quote unquote, new and most certainly not improved Carson. And that still makes him more man child than Caleb ever could have hoped to be. 
Yeah, I, I think probably my uh, least <laughs> the 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 one that the bit that made me roll my eyes the hardest. I think is ending an episode with Carson just basically announcing, okay, Bella and I are going to adopt the baby. Like, this is not even a question. It's just, that's how it's going to be. Really? Ah, episode 910, Love for Ambition, which interestingly Mm -hmm. enough was my runner up for least favorite episode. (laughs) And why? It's for one character and one character alone. And guess what? You've already mentioned him. Because in this episode, Carson is getting oversensitive about what others say about him, but he's not sensitive enough about what he's saying to others. Riley is so good about making everything about her in general. Carson does a really good slice of that by making him the victim. He plays that card to the point where, okay, if you're the victim, then stick with being the victim, which in and of itself is cringeworthy. But he's not even consistent with that at all. It is, oh, it is bad. I'm not sure there's any more character that can be as annoying as somebody who is trying to play the victim card intentionally, like that they don't deserve. I agree. Because, like, has he actually been victimized in this situation? Because it's one thing to play the victim card if you're actually a victim. It's another thing if you don't deserve to use it. Mm-hmm. I think most of the things that he's done, he's done to himself. Yes. And about other people around him. And he goes on fishing expeditions, too. More so in last season. But he asks these questions and he brings up these awkward moments from the past that are, okay, We know about it. It happened. But what does it have to do with anything right now other than trying to either hurt somebody else or make yourself look better or deflect from what it is that you're saying or doing to kind of say that, well, maybe I have, but you've done this or what about this or what about that? Just looking for someone, I think, to go, oh, I'm sorry. But at the very least, he hasn't surrounded himself with people that will allow him to play that card well, but he does keep going to that well. I'd say my least favorite episode from season nine was Meeting of the Minds, episode 907. Why? Because there are lots of humorous exchanges between the characters, but it didn't reveal anything new about any of their relationships, and I think it did slow down the progress of the season's plot. I know this is a dramedy, so there has to be comedy, but rereading 907, months after I wrote it and months after we recorded it, I'm just like, wow, this is really funny, but again, why don't we take some of this and some of that and maybe put it into other episodes either in the current season or maybe better placed in the past seasons because it really just isn't going anywhere whatsoever it doesn't mean that i don't like it but it's kind of one of those where it's four pages of written script it's eight or nine minutes runtime but really the value in it is maybe two or three minutes the problem (laughs) is the series needs as the young kids would put it a beach episode but this was not a good one (laughs) where everything that they're talking about is irrelevant to the full plot but it's just fan service that's kind of what this episode felt like oh yes there are lots of references back to previous seasons i think fan service is an excellent way of putting it canis so if someone was trying to i don't have time to listen to every episode in season nine can i skip one yep Uh, episode 907 i wouldn't say skip episode 910 Because, again, it does kind of further our understanding of Carson's character. But episode 907, you can just you can just leave that alone. It's just there. It's it's just there. There isn't even Carson in episode 907 for us to facepalm over. It is an episode that features my character, Hudson, as well as Bella and Evelyn and Garrison and Max, Riley and Man, which perhaps also goes to some things we've said in previous commentaries, which is. Despite Avery's comment in episode 908 to say that those who have too many cooks in a kitchen get a bigger kitchen, maybe it's just a symptom of also having so many characters in a particular episode trying to have their voice heard that there really isn't any time to get to anything of substance except people jabbing back and forth to one another verbally. Yeah, there are too many people in this scene. Yep. A lot of people talking at each other and not an awful lot being said. Ironically, then perhaps entitled Meeting of the Minds, because no one is actually... As you're saying, talking to each other, they're just talking at each other. And rename it Meeting of the Bodies. <laughs> because the minds didn't really meet very much. It may actually be the most Seinfeldian episode in the sense that it's not really about anything. You see, that kids, would, there was this show. That would explain why it's <laughs> not this good. I don't like Seinfeld mm-hmm. that much. I watched Seinfeld in its day, but I find it has 
very terrible replay value, at least for me. I have no interest in watching it ever again. So it aged really badly, and also it was bad when it started. So oh my god, you are my people. <laughs> Al, there were nine seasons of Seinfeld, and there are nine seasons of One More Turn at this point. Is it a coincidence that this Seinfeldian episode came up in season nine? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I tried to make something out of nothing. Where the mother and the cousin go to bed together. Yikes. Isn't Evelyn related to Garrison in some way? Evelyn was married to Gary. So, so yes. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. And this is where Evelyn sleeps with Garrison, who is Gary's cousin and yes evelyn and gary were together garrison is with his wife and mother of his much younger child which actually isn't even addressed in the season at all garrison has a child and he's still with that child's mother but he does turn around and sleep with evelyn and admittedly not one person that doesn't is not brought up at all in this particular season but it may come up in a future season so oh no yeah yeah it's, it's gonna get even worse it's messy And this is from the character man. The least we can do is not turn this into a soap opera. And the reason that line is in the show is because I remember in a previous season, Jennifer, you were saying, I didn't know you could do telenovelas in English. And so I, uh, (laughs) because I had that line in mind. (laughs) It it also occurs to me, Dan, that so much of this entire story can be just summed up in that one still image from the Marie Kondo Netflix show where it's her just kind of covering her mouth laughing and the caption is, I love mess. And I think maybe this also surmises episode 907 really well, which is, man, where's your mother? Bella, with my uncle. Damn it, I just said, didn't just say that in my head, did I? Hudson, I used to tell you it was just a matter of time before it happened. Bella, only after I told you what my father told me. Riley, so am I the only one here who finds this a surprise? Man, am I the only one here that doesn't care? And that's what we also do, is we don't care about episode 907. Uh, <laughs> I wrap that up nicely with a bow. Oh, this, so this isn't just a, hi, this is Canadian content. It's, hi, this is Canadian content. And here's the general idea of where this little town is. Well, no, that, that's, that's really dangerous because that makes it sound like it really centers around Hudson and Hudson already thinks he's the center of his universe and everyone else's. So I don't know if we want to go with that interpretation, but that's interesting. I never thought of it that way before. No, Hudson is already the hero in his own story. Nothing you say or do is going to change that. <laughs> Point taken. That, that, is a fixed, <laughs> that is a fixed article of the universe. Well, perhaps an easier question to ask then, as it has been in previous commentaries, and then we move over to characters. Specifically, who is your favorite character in Season 9 and why? Who would like to start? You know what? I'll go. And I'll say Avery, not because I get to voice that character, but because she seems to be the spoke that so much of everything in the last couple of seasons is turning around, but also she is absolutely the pinball that is just bouncing around willy-nilly doing God knows what to anybody and everybody that she bumps up against. So there's your metaphor. I would say Avery is definitely the most significant character this season. Although uh, I don't know about like overarching storyline who developed more, but I know that Avery is the one that, without her, the story doesn't happen. So this is the season about her, basically. It's coming to a head first up at the mayoral race, which Avery is in, but really does end up taking a second seat. And in fact, who people end up supporting politically is influenced greatly by supporting Avery, or perhaps as Nora puts it, I'm not supporting you, Avery, I'm supporting your unborn child which is not necessarily you, even though a lot of people are kind of behind Avery in, no, I think you're doing the right thing and saying that, no, I'm not going to raise this child. This is the loving thing to do. This is the responsible thing to do that we kind of got in season eight's commentary. And it definitely revolves around Avery. So there's, there's no question that she is integral. She's not my favorite. I just think she's the most important. But Jennifer, you were going to the point of even saying favorite, if for no other reason than perhaps favorite because she is not the character that you like the most. (laughs) Yeah, 
character that I like the most is, I don't know, that's, that's, um, that's hard to make a determination about because these people are also uniquely terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's a question I cannot answer. Uh, which is why I never phrased it as which character do you like the most? Because I think it ends up being yeah. the same people, although <laughs> and it almost, it's almost kind of like fan service to ask who your character you like the most is. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had to pick a favorite, favorite, those two are awfully synonymous, but I think the character who I find that I would least object to, I don't know, being locked in a room and forced to talk to would be Nora. So there's one for Nora. I'm actually also in Camp Nora. I think Nora is a pretty good answer for least objectionable. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm with that, too. It's hard to like say which character to have a preference for, but she's the most palatable. I respect that, but I want to go with Max. Because he usually always makes me laugh, and he's always amusing. And to me, he's like the most human, or at least relatable, of the cast. I don't think I ever feel genuinely upset with him on anything. I'm going to go with Max. I think the only thing that I can fault Max for is sometimes... (laughs) You need to look after yourself a little bit more, Max, so you can help to look after others. Yeah, he can be a little oblivious, but I'm fine with that. It's better than the jerk moments that Carson has or some of the other weird character moments. And I I like Nora, too. She has her stuff together, you know, so I I can see that being a favorite for people, too. Yeah, Max and Nora work really well together, except for that one season, season four, when everyone thought Max and Nora were headed for divorce, which was fair. Before and after, they really seem to work well. They play off of each other's strengths. They know also that they can have differences of opinion and not feel that it is going to hurt their relationship standing. Carson, again, looking back at you, and I actually liked how you contrasted and compared at the same time Max and Carson, because like Max, Carson is also oblivious, but Carson is, again, playing the victim and making it about him, whereas Max is just kind of rolling with it and making it about everybody else. Doing the appropriate thing. Yes, As for why I would go with Nora, and for me, in putting this down, I kind of went through every episode that Nora appeared in and went, okay, what is it about Nora? Because I read through again the entire season, and I thought about the plot points, and I thought about the characters, tried to treat it just as this season, even though this is now the fourth time I've picked Nora. Previously, seasons three, five, and seven. And Max, I picked twice most recently last season. So Nora, she offers unsolicited advice to Avery to permit Hudson to be in her unborn child's, his nephew's life, as a father figure. But at the same time, says Avery and Hudson, the two of you continuing to be together romantically does not need to be a thing, arguably should not be a thing. And at the same time, Nora presents a strategy as how for Avery to go about this. Nora's not just the ideas person. It was, here is something that you can actually do towards that goal, and this is why I think it would support that goal, and this is why I think it would be successful. Nora does this because this would help Avery politically, and Avery points that out. But Nora's like, look, I'm putting the best interest of the child first, and I would add, Nora has absolutely no vested interest in this in herself. Sure, there's the volunteering for the political campaigns, but... Neither Nora or Max are volunteering for Avery's campaign. So in a way, yes, Nora is helping politically with that, but it's kind of like who cares becomes mayor. The important thing here is the child. That was episode 902. In episode 906, Nora recognizes the why misguided and tells this individual. So, but the end result of agreeing with Bella to offer her unsolicited advice to Evelyn and Garrison to get and keep them on civil terms with one another, if for no other sake than Bella's, because Bella asks Nora for her help. And Nora's initially like, well, do they really want any help? It really should be about them and not you. But that's kind of why the why was misguided. But she's like, well, Let's see if I can help Evelyn and Garrison out, see if they'll be receptive to it. Garrison was, Evelyn was not. In episode 908, Nora works with Avery, Carson, Jacob, and Reese to focus on the task at hand and support Avery in her decision to put her unborn child up for adoption. Because they were talking about, you know, the history of the Doe contract, and even Max at one point was like, look, we're so past that. And then... Nora tries to, again, offer some very specific advice and reasoning behind why they should be focusing on that task, which is, what do we do about Avery's unborn child? And again, that's putting the child up for adoption, like Avery wants, and saying this is a sound decision. 
And lastly, in episode 913, Nora convinces Hudson that he was backing the wrong point with respect to Avery putting her unborn child up for adoption and deciding to leave with Jacob and Reese because Hudson is like, I I don't want Reese's help, even though Nora thinks that Avery should put the child up for adoption. Nora doesn't like how Hudson is treating Jacob and Reese since they're both willing to support Hudson's effort. And so Nora makes this more than just symbolic effort to leave with them after both Avery and Hudson kick them out. But they don't kick out Nora. But when Nora decides to leave, Hudson goes, wait, okay, and even gives Nora credit in the moment. Nora leaving tells me that I'm not thinking clearly and I want you involved in my life, both of you. Is it weird that I almost almost gave my favorite character this season to Bella. That is very weird. Why would you have done such a horrible thing? (laughs) Not because the actress is bad. She's great. No, 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 she's not. No, Annalie is fantastic. But I initially picked her and then I I changed my mind. But the reasons why um, put it out there is I kept them as I kept these notes. Similarly, uh, in episode 906, Although misguided in in as to the why of wanting to get help for Evelyn and Garrison to get along, the how of approaching Nora for help, given Nora's ongoing formal studies, firsthand experience with Carson and herself, and the history with them and others in her life, is sound. Moreover, Bella is supportive of Nora telling Evelyn and Garrison, together no less, that Bella has asked for that intervention, so they know where it's coming from. Evelyn, having withdrawn from the mayoral campaign and putting her support behind Mand, is something that Bella agrees to assist with by conducting and sharing her analysis of Mand's chances by using her social media knowledge and expertise in episode 907. She navigated a conversation with Carson well, not getting down to his level with his attempts to derail it, and instead of focusing on their common goal of adopting the cat, episode 909. She calls out how weird it is that Garrison has gone into a business venture with Reese on something that neither of them have any direct experience with in episode 911, and also calls out Evelyn and Garrison over their bickering in episode 912. She just calls out everyone. Absolutely, she does. But it was it was about Evelyn and Garrison specifically that was just kind of like enough out of you two. Either be together or don't be together, but stop whatever it is that you're doing here. So as I said, I almost made it the favorite, but... I still have to give it to Nora because I feel like Nora was more proactive than reactive. Plus, I don't really have to question so much about Nora's motivations about why she is doing such things because, again, she's taking time out of her life and her relationships, really, trying to help other people with theirs, which I suppose some people listening might say, well, now, Dan, we know why Nora's doing that. She's training to become a psychiatrist, and so she just wants free case studies. <sighs> I get that kind of cynical view, but at the same time, I'm certain she could find ways to do that within her studies without having to navigate (sighs) these people. I suppose the devils you know, but still at the same time, really, kind of like we got back to at the beginning of this, these people, the town is small, but it's not that small. (laughs) When you are training to become a psychiatrist, psychologist, anything of that nature, you have no shortage of case study options. (laughs) Trust me. Not only am I somebody who sees a psychiatrist and a psychologist fairly often, one of my family members also is in the field. We have both observed that there is no shortage of cases. Never. And the fact that Nora also has her life together. I mean, it's not a life that everybody would like, but I also find that Nora isn't a hypocrite. I think to some degree, yes, Bella is. Because at Nora and Max, it, it works for them. And so she can start from a point in her personal life to say that, mm, no, I, you know, I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk here. Not that it would be professional of her to talk about herself, but it comes from a source of, of strength in personal experience as well. So Nora just checks all the boxes once again. Will there need to be a voice performer for the cat? No. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I'm fairly sure I can be called upon to simulate cat noises, too. Least favorite character. I'll put my least favorite is uh, Garrison. He just comes off as a creep. What is the creep vibe that you're getting from Garrison? I, I, I know it wasn't this season, but the fact that I can remember it, the whole, like, his introduction... And talking about how his whole family does this uh, naming scheme and that (laughs) his his name is like a spear. And it just felt like he was doing a dick joke. And I'm like, okay, 
So it's like, this is his favorite story to tell. I, I can tell that. So it's like, I don't like this guy. Just reading through briefly to the season, he just seems as typical him being annoying. So I just, I'll put him as least favorite, definitely. Well, he has made a career out of getting people elected, or at the very least, helping them run in political campaigns. So he can be all sorts of shades of shady and suspect. And oh, yeah. I would love him if he helped people run to the next county because they were thrown out of their own county. <laughs> like, yeah, run. Get out of here. We don't want to see you. While I will not say that Garrison is my least favorite, he's definitely in the bottom half. And hey, he's only been in three seasons yet. Look at that. He's already been picked as someone's least favorite. I still don't. Uh, hmm. They're just they, all so terrible. Yeah, they're all just thoroughgoingly awful. But I've noticed that it's mostly the dudes out of this cast that are really uniquely awful. Uh, <laughs> the only that's, one who's fair. to break that mold is Evelyn. She and Garrison are kind of tied as far as I'm concerned. Okay. I had Evelyn as my least favorite in season seven. I may have my own personal reasons for that because I had a problematic relationship at with both of my parents. <laughs> oh, that's not fun. No, but as a writer, someone being able to make a connection to the character for a good or bad reason, I smile at that part. It does mean that you've touched on a certain amount of truth about people or person in the world. Art is supposed to make people feel things and whether that's laughing themselves stupid or wanting to throw their tablet across the room, it's still... <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same trend as the two prior there, Garrison and with, with Evelyn. I have actually a really good relationship with my parents, so I, it's, it's harder to relate. But just like reading the subtext in there and just in that, it's kind of like you don't get super great vibes. I guess if I have to pick one, I'll say uh, Carson because... He's just a dick. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess I'm going to be, and I did choose someone that no one else has mentioned. Although it is also a relatively newer character like Garrison and Evelyn. My least favorite character in season nine is Jacob. Jacob speaks to Reese to plant the seed of Avery being duplicitous and stating her intent to put her unborn child up for adoption. Jacob referencing her broken business relationship with Bella, Caden's death, and her not recovering from... Avery not realizing that he did not see her as his best friend as she saw him as hers. And indeed, he's duplicitous himself by using her, used Avery to get close to the men that he would like to be with. And Reese said something about, so she and other women are kind of your unwitting research assistants? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. It's like, oh my wow. Gosh. What a like, dick. Wow, okay. I mean, that is Carson level, quote unquote, if we can have a Carson level, air quotes. Jacob suggests using Hudson's strained relationship with Riley against Hudson's efforts to block Avery, putting her unborn child up for adoption, episode 904. Jacob maintains that Caleb is better off with him so that he would stop pursuing women that seemingly expect too much of him in episode 904. But then in the same episode, shortly after saying that, he tries to argue that he only agreed to be Caleb's representative to get out of the personal affiliation with him he does not like to be in the friend zone and to perform a professional one instead in an effort to make himself look purposeful and credible. And then in episode 908, he offers to betray Caleb by making public the knowledge that he directed him, directed Jacob, to launder money into Pedro's campaign for mayor. In episode 909, he devises a way to discredit the outgoing mayor if she endorses man in the mayoral race. And, and then in episode 913, questions Avery on her and Hudson's decision to get back together, which is none of your damn business. So, um, yeah, Jacob, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> he's there and he's making out like he's important except the only reason that he is there is because he's Caleb's representative but he only references Caleb when it suits him he is past in season 7 and 8 where he was more well this is what Caleb wants I'm here to I'm here to do what Caleb wants except this is far beyond being Caleb's representative as co-owner of one more turn solutions you know, Caleb did not choose him to be the representative, at, you know, Caleb, what Caleb would think of all of these personal relationships going on. It's Caleb has now interjected himself 
into things that has absolutely nothing to do with him, or if it did have something to do with him, he burned those bridges long ago. And it's just every single time he appears, it's just you're absolutely adding nothing to this situation. Other people have brought these things up. They've brought it up better, and they actually have standing to talk about it. So again, not just shut up, but go away. Okay, bye-bye. So that's why he was my least favorite. You write this show. You could write people that are better people. Who's going to want to listen to that, Jennifer? I mean, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, better people are boring. Exactly. It's like, I may not be the greatest person. I might not even be a nice person, but I know I'm nicer than at least one person on this show. And then it makes you feel better about yourself. Curious to me how so many of these characters are jerks. What does that say about you, Dad? Just say about candidates out there. I'm not usually a fan of shows with only jerks as cast members, but this one's grown on me like a fungus. <laughs> <laughs> no good spray for that. You can judge them and feel better about your own lives. And I mean, hey, who wouldn't want to listen to a show like that? I know I would. Oh, hey, I'm better than these people. This is great. I should listen more. <laughs> not nearly as big of a jerk as I could be. For your character or any other character for this season, what do you think his or her highs and lows were? Hmm. I was going to actually pick Hudson, oddly enough, because he's normally such a jackass. But I would say that his high is at the very end deciding to stick around and not be a dick about the baby. Well, when he decides that he's going he's going to let Reese and Jacob in and help and not yeah. just dismiss them out of spite really. Yeah. Yeah, watching him do a credible imitation of a snake and swallow the giant lump that is his pride and do something for somebody other than himself. I had listed that as a high and low, the high being that he actually gets to that point, but the low being that it required effort and assistance, but at least it ends up as a low high as opposed to a high low, (laughs) (laughs) which, as you said, is very atypical for Hudson. It's kind of a continuation of what happened in season eight, where Hudson was asking, like, how come you were not going to accept my help? And this kind of continued in season nine, which is this is a very vulnerable Hudson and willing to make himself vulnerable and think about people other than himself without keeping score. And by keeping score, you know, like having a point or, you know, being ahead, which is definitely, definitely a plus for him in the high category. In terms of his high as well, he is confrontational and combative with Jacob and questioning his relevancy and motives. Episode 9 and 13, most of the time, Hudson being confrontational and combative is, why are you being combative with this nice person? Or why are you being combative with this person at this time about this issue? Whereas in this case, I'm like, actually, no, it was finally time someone said, Jacob, what the hell? In episode 905, he defends the value in being loved by his adoptive parents as equal as their love for Riley, as they were her biological parents. He's also prepared to use his financial means to help support Avery's unborn child, again, his nephew, which is kind of an indirect reference to, I guess, One More Turn Solutions is not doing too badly now. One of the last things we heard was they were getting audited because Carson did a terrible job with the bookkeeping. And Jacob, on behalf of Caleb, was trying to block them getting a paid client because this isn't the type of contract that One More Turn Solutions was in anymore. He also, in episode 901, I don't know if anybody remembers, but it was kind of this redux of the season four Dinner from Hell, which is episode 404, only in this case with Carson, Reese, and Max, because apparently Hudson can cook. And that's definitely acting because his voice performer cannot really... Uh, <laughs> and I'm not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not just, I can work a microwave kind of bad. I'm just kind of in the middle. But Hudson is is apparently being quite the chef. His lows, however, was that, again, ties back into the high-low at the end of the season, that at the beginning, he rebukes the offer to help Avery because he does not want to help Reese be a part of that child's life, too. And instead, he offers to facilitate a meeting with her aunt and uncle instead because Reese is feeling on the outside now. And that's the way she was initially treating Hudson when Hudson and Reese learned of each other. 
And now that the tables are turned and Hudson is on the ins with the family as opposed to the out, like, I'm just going to treat Reese badly because Reese treated me badly because I can't. But it's more than just about you and Reese and even a quote unquote family business. It's about a human being, an innocent human being that needs as many people on their side as possible. So very, very petty. (laughs) Episode 905, even though it was, even though I loved that episode, because of that confrontation, Hudson suggests that Riley turned out so badly because he is her older brother and further briefly a legal guardian. So in other words, part of the reason you're a horrible human being, Riley, is because of me. So therefore, you should feel badly about that. I should feel badly about that. I really wasn't certain what he was going for there. He threatens to also cut Riley out of his life completely. I think that that is a low for him to make that threat, even though I understand where it's coming from. To me, that was a completely, however understandable, emotional outburst that is going to have ramifications. And then in episode 911, he does stand up for Bella and himself against Evelyn and Garrison's criticisms of how to communicate with other people, given how they communicate with other people themselves, however, is a low. Because of the way Hudson generally conducts himself, it's kind of one of those, well, you have to be one to know one. You have to be a jerk in communication to recognize other people who are communicative jerks. And it's true. You did, because you are. Carson and Bella adopting a cat. And uh, you know what? It may go really well. Who knows? I just... (laughs) It occurs to me suddenly that it's actually hilarious that these two are adopting a cat. Not a dog that could actually be trained to do anything, but a cat that will look at them individually or together, look up at their name being called, like... What? You're talking to me? Oh, you want me to do something? You okay? Bite me. And go back to licking its butt. (laughs) Cats can definitely be trained, but it's much more of an ordeal. Cats need to be convinced. (laughs) From the plot developments this season, what do you think the highs and lows were? Hard to say. Hard to say? Yeah, I think that my character is going to be gone now is probably a good thing because he doesn't really fit. He managed to come in as an outsider, and even by the end, he was still an outsider, which makes him unique. He did not get roped in like some other people. Like, Reese came in as an outsider, and she is definitely, I mean, with some people, not others, but she's definitely on the in now. But, I mean, hey, man managed to go through all of this time with the cast. And as again, no one actually knows his name. So I think he did a very good job in that respect. Name is paramedic guy. <laughs> or that guy, as it uh, or him. To you as a man appeared in three seasons. That was in season six, eight and nine for a total of nine episodes. And after nine episodes, we still don't know his name. And yes, that is purposeful. We will never know his name. That is oh, man. Never- that will never be canon. To be clear, I don't even have a name for him in my head that I just don't say. I actually don't. He's man. That's his name. He was named man. What did Max do this season? Max was very much a supporting character this season. I can't remember what he was doing at all. Yeah, there was nothing that he was leading. I don't think he resorted to him being used as comic relief like he was in the first few seasons, a bit more two-dimensional. But yes, he definitely took a step back this He's season. usually a supporting role in most of these seasons, I think. That's fair. I guess to clarify that his supporting role was a bit more active, like it was Max's idea to do this, and Max said this, and Max said that at that point, and that got people to do this and do that, whereas really this was just kind of, Max, will you do this? Yes, Max, get this accomplished. Okay. What you're saying Uh, is he's a passive character rather than an active character. Yes, which makes the question, what did Max do this season? Very, very, very understandable. Max was also in four episodes this season, and most characters were in five. I was in three, so I win the contest. <laughs> I would say highs would be Avery being steadfast in her resolution to put her unborn child up for adoption, knowing it is in the child's best interests, and Bella offering some pushback on and expressing some confidence with Carson in respect to the adoption of the cat, though this really should be extended to their relationship in general, because I know when we were recording season nine, Annalie Cardamano Barney, who voices Bella, just says, like, who is this Bella person, like, who is this person putting up with this crap 
from Carson. Like, I don't recognize this person. And I feel like this was Bella starting to, again, do that little bit of pushback, even though it had to do with the adoption of the cat, as opposed to, I said, bigger relationship issues. But okay, we got to start somewhere. I'm hoping it's going to get better for Bella in that respect to be a little bit more of what like she used to be. Because it's like you're either assertive and not doing nice things, or you're not assertive and you're letting not nice things happen to you, as if you somehow deserve this treatment. There's definitely got to be a happy medium there that hopefully she can achieve. The lows, Hudson and Avery getting back together. Somehow I can already hear Jennifer nodding over there for some reason, probably. Uh, (laughs) The disagreement over whether or not to put the unborn child up for adoption, where Avery is like yes and Hudson is no, has pretty well roped in most everybody else on the cast to pick a side. But rather than Hudson and Avery resolving this themselves, they get everyone else to start talking about it and start offering opinions and starting to entertain that opinion and to get them involved. We even have Avery making some moves to prepare for a potential legal battle, even though it was pointed out by Nora. Um, Hudson didn't say anything about the court, but Avery's like, no, it doesn't matter. I got to be ready. I got to be ready. Also, the low, speaking of togetherness, Bella and Carson, no, and they're adopting a kitten, no less. No, I mean, Bella, again, is more assertive, but it's not in the more or most critical respects. And Karsten is only less of a man-child than before. You're still crap. It's not as much crap as before. That's still a low. As for low highs, Nora interjects herself into Avery and Garrison's relationship to help them, even though it was unsolicited and not a reasonable expectation that that advice, however sound, would result in any meaningful change. Pedro won the mayoral election. Not necessarily the best person to be leading this town, but certainly better than any of those who are running against him. And Hudson and Riley's argument over Avery putting her unborn child up for adoption was a further extension of their decades-long dysfunctional relationship. I talked about before how it was rehashing old arguments with new circumstances, but at least Hudson's ultimatum may break this stalemate. Was anybody surprised by the outcome of who won the election? No. 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 Love Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to vote for the rest of these idiots. Yeah, that one Pedro's adoption. Did season nine meet, exceed, or fall short of your expectations and why? I said met expectations. I guess it went with Matt, pretty much what I expected, so I wasn't really surprised by anything. <laughs> and what were you expecting, Scott? <laughs> Maybe we have different reasons for why they were met. <laughs> yeah, I, I expected some political drama, lawyering, not enough uh, gaming nerd jokes, and yeah, just being kind of serious on the whole lawyer and business stuff and the political drama. Oh, that's interesting. Those were... Uh... I mean, I know I wrote it, but that's what I was expecting, too, because that's kind of what I went into with, again, this being kind of the third of three seasons that focused on the political sphere, which had been the intention from starting at season seven, that season seven, eight and nine would have this political focus and that there would be this mayoral campaign. I did not necessarily envision who was going to be running and who would necessarily drop out at the start, let alone who would actually win. But I knew that was coming. And the whole adoption thing was definitely more of a later deciding to include that and have that be as a major a plot point as it was and to intertwine with the political. But yes, lots of political, lots of legal or at least the potential for legal, lots of, again, court of public opinion aspect, and less less about the gaming. Uh, almost really nothing about the gaming other than some references to some of these characters being gamers. Anyone else with met expectations? Oh, um, I think it was about what I was expecting. All right, Candice, for similar reasons to what Scott and I have said, or different? Mostly because uh, the things that got resolved were things that keep the show going. Oh, like? Well, not much, really. (laughs) That was the whole thing. It was like, (laughs) we we got to the end of the political arc, and my character gets to step out of the way and go back to being whatever the heck he's going to be, probably non-existent. Sounds like much ado about nothing. (laughs) It seems like, well, Pedro's the mayor now, so what does that mean? Well, it means we don't know yet. Did they actually decide whether they're going to adopt or not adopt the kid? And also, like, who's going to do what and all that nonsense. And I don't. The adoption part is not yet resolved. 
Like I, I feel like think... closed a lot of some of the existing story arcs, but also opened up new arcs that could be explored in later seasons. So it kind of like wrapped things up that may have been not dragging, but going on for and then being able to start a bit more fresh. Is it going to be kind of similar background noise references to the previous mayor? Possibly. Does this mean that Pedro is going to have a voice performer now? The answer to that is still no. <laughs> that part will not change. That's probably a good thing. I mean, I guess I'm never entirely sure what to expect with any given season. So it's hard to say whether it met my expectations or not. Like, I wasn't disappointed with it, but there was conversely nothing in this season that was like, oh my God, Dan needs an Emmy, you know? Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So (laughs) I have to admit, I was maybe just a disappointed at the lack of any legal type stuff with such an emphasis on all of the interpersonal. Like, I don't know, I guess it was maybe even a little too much drama llama for me, but not a ton. Just, I will be very interested to see what happens in subsequent seasons Please tell me that we are at least not going to leave Avery pregnant forever and that she will eventually have this baby and there will eventually be an answer to what happens to said baby. Season 10 will answer the immediate adoption question, yes. Okay. Which may or may not involve the courts. What legal things do you think might have happened or even should happen? I would have liked to maybe see more than just glancing references to... Avery gearing up to protect her own interests and her own ability to make the choice that she sees fit about the baby. Uh, Maybe a little bit more about how it's going with Bella representing her in the court of law with regards to that and a little bit less of everyone else offering their opinion on what she should or shouldn't do. Yeah, basically. That and the fact that she's gearing up for this because she absolutely has no trust in anybody else, but certainly not Caden's family, not to insert themselves and have their own opinions and try to enforce those opinions on her. So so, somewhere between... short i think is that that's a little much it it's just that there are things that i am definitely looking forward to having addressed and it sounds like they're going to be in the next season i can be called upon to simulate hee hee breathing if need be (laughs) oh no Effect. You can draw from personal experience. Yes. <laughs> so what do you hope the audience's takeaways are from One More Turn Season 9? I'll start with that and say that I hope that it's enough to get you to listen to Season 10 that if you were tired of the focus on the political arc, know that it is over. And I will say that although this is less about a takeaway from the season, but I'm going to piggyback on it to say that season 10, well, because I even had this kind of thought recently in my head, which was if the first three seasons were about the court of law, the next three seasons are about the court of public opinion. And then the last three seasons have been about politics, kind of quote unquote, what else is there in society? Season 10 is going to have a little bit of all three oh, no. involved. And with that respect, does that mean that season 10 is the last? I don't know the answer to that question. But now that we've got these three seasons of this different focus, I can draw on those just like I have in subsequent seasons before and try to bring those things that I feel are worthwhile to revisit and expand on, or at least those three things that that can be referred back to that then influence what characters are doing still. So that really that the audience takeaway is that even after nine seasons, even after this conclusion of this third act, hopefully that there's, there's still enough material here that people feel like that there's more story that 
I don't want to say should be told, but that can be told and will hopefully be told in a way that keeps you wanting to come back still. I think I'm with you, Dan, that I hope people listen to this and think, okay, you know, this has been cool. I want to know more. I know some people might say, well, isn't that just kind of a, and like an evergreen answer? Well, I suppose, yes, it is. Uh, if you're hoping there to be another season that, that it would be, but that people continue to listen, but they also tell other people And maybe, just maybe, we could actually have a conversation with people who listen to the show and actually talk about what's going on. I realize that's kind of a big thing that really just hasn't happened at this point, and that can be a challenge for new intellectual property, especially something that's, I don't want to say, quote-unquote, just a podcast, but there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of dramedy podcasts out there. To be able to get to be even known, let alone heard, is one thing, but that hopefully, at the very least, they continue to listen and they tell a friend. They tell someone they know that, oh yeah, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to this, and they would tell people that they hope would also be interested in it. Word of mouth would be great. And she told two friends, and she told two friends, and so on, and so on. <laughs> One more turn, the pyramid scheme, the new spin-up. No. <laughs> you, you went for the Amway angle. Dang it, Dan. Well, this is probably because you're not an American. I was thinking of a very late 70s shampoo commercial. <laughs> oh. I guess I just hope they enjoyed it and found it a fun story. Yeah. I think the last season I made a reference to, oh, I totally know what's going to be happening with Pedro and Caleb. And I give all credit to Uber Marklar for that suggestion years ago that Pedro and Caleb should go into business as private detectives. So there, it's now about to become (laughs) canon. (laughs) I was like, it's so ridiculous and out there. Why not? Music by Kevin McLeod. Voiceover by Sedwick. Visit the One More Turn website at onemoreturn.net. Copyright Civilized Communication at civcom.net. You felt it was safe to have a shower before because there was no uh, intimate scene between Hudson and Avery this season? The yeah. hell? <laughs> in, in, in the seasons past, you're like, okay, Dan, now I have to go take a freaking shower. I still remember oh, that. Well, no, no, no. I'm always, almost always willing to take a second shower if the situation calls for it. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I, know, I feel like that last scene was so cringe. Just kidding. So cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I need a shower from the cheese. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, the downsides of being pregnant is my bladder is not what it used to be. <laughs> Listenership for one more turn plus one. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Well, should it be one and a half since you've already been the... You, you're the OG plus one, Dan. Yeah, it's going to be plus two now. <laughs> well, since we recorded the last commentary, I became a father. I mean, it was known when we were recording the commentary. And actually... It was about 24 hours after we recorded that commentary that my son was born. So, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. That's pretty uh, impressive. Yeah, yeah yep. old enough so you can get it done and then uh, face the mountain of editing. He gets old enough. His name is Evan. Now, Evan, be like Max or Nora, okay? Don't be <laughs> anybody like any of these other people. Speaking of case studies, they're fictional characters, but listen, you're going to listen to. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Well, then he's going to realize that Dad not only invented all of these people, but decided to give himself the voice for Hudson. And he's going to look at you and wonder, dang, Dad, what's wrong with you? We're not those people that we voice, and I'm not those people that are right. (laughs) At least I like to think I'm not. Hmm. I have a neighbor who, how did he phrase it when he moved here? He said, you know, there's always an asshole in the neighborhood. And if you're the person asking the question, who's the (laughs) asshole? It's probably (laughs) you. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) it's true yeah if you smell crap in one place you might need to look at the bottom you know maybe you stepped in poo and you can wash your shoe off but if you smell poo everywhere you might want to look and discover that you are 
the poo and not the shoe. <laughs> this commentary for One More Turn Season 9, in no particular order at this particular point, Alia, Canis, Scott, Jennifer, I will also thank myself for being here. <laughs> <laughs> These are our favorite horrible people, and again, Without going on and on about it, because I've said it before in previous commentaries, there is just something special about people who, first off, volunteer their time to not only record lines for these characters, but before that, to read through scripts and offer their input on those characters, and then to voluntarily agree to come onto a commentary to talk about those characters and to talk about that plot and to talk about the show that I think really shows that this is a labor of love and it is great to be able to get back into this universe again and talk about what is, what was, and what could be. Thanks again, everyone, for your time. That was fun. Look forward to thank doing you. it again. Yeah, thank you all. Yeah. The series continues. Do, 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 do. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is one of the longest existing things in my life right now. It's a little scary. <laughs> one more turn, season nine. One more turn dot net. All right, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stop the recording. Oh, what? I haven't stopped it yet. What? 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 Thunder just blow up outside my window. Oh, well, that was Mother Nature's way of saying and cut. <laughs> cut. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs>